what do you do if our love languages collide with each other? So communicating love is important, but it can be difficult when we communicate love in different ways. Mm -hmm. And I know you and I communicate love differently. Oh, very true. And that's something that's just, that's normal. You may be one choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Brian and Jennifer Harvey. Uh, guys, Jennifer Harvey, Brian Harvey here. We are back in the recording studio, and we're we're back pretty recently um, from doing a live Operation Thriving Marriage Experience uh, event down in Tampa, Florida, over at Arise Church. So, what's up, Risers? Had so much fun with you guys. So, I think special shout out to Brian and uh, Melody, Pastor Ken, his wife Madonna. Not that Madonna. I got to hug this Madonna. She's fabulous. Melanie. We like her Mon- better, actually than the other Madonna, just saying. Well, what can I say? That's that's true too. But uh, uh, Melanie and uh, and Jeff and Bonnie and just, you know, s- sending big uh, hugs down to uh, the, the crew in Florida there that are just really making a difference for God's kingdom. Had a wonderful, wonderful time. Yeah, I got Arise. Thank you so much for having us. It was cool. And um, we actually have the opportunity to um, be in Florida again in September. So if Woo-hoo! you are in the Vero Beach area, uh, we'll be at Pathway Church in September. So go check them out. And our topic today actually comes from our Operation Thriving Marriage Experience we did in Brandon, Florida at Arise Church. And we look forward to talking about that. But also want to let you know, we would love to come out to your church. Let's um, do it. We would love to be part of your ministry and uh, if you go to operationthrivingmarriage.com, you can click contact us. And if you'd like to have us come out, do an experience with you, we would look forward to being part of your ministry and serving you any way we can. And just give us a, hit us a message. Or even if you just leave us a voice message on the website there, if you leave a voice message and you can message us and we will talk to you more about how we can serve you and help make the marriages um, in your ministry thrive. This question here, we had one of the questions. We always do a Q&A at the end of our experiences. And the question we got that was really interesting was, what do you do if our love languages collide Ooh, with each other? Course. So communicating love is important, but it can be difficult when we communicate love in different ways. And that, of course, is, I mean, that was the whole point of the book, the Five Love Languages, was, okay, you and your spouse probably communicate love differently. Mm-hmm. And I know you and I communicate love differently. Oh, very true. And that's something that's just, that's normal. But I thought it was interesting because this couple, it wasn't, didn't seem just to be, we have different love languages, but one of our love languages is uncomfortable or problematic for the other and how do you walk through that? I thought that was a really interesting question and very different from what most conversations about love languages circle around. Right, because that's why we're talking about this when love languages collide because this isn't just, you know, they're they're different. This is, you know, there there's a problem and this is this kind of like freight train head-on collision and, and how do we navigate this? Absolutely. And sometimes this is just could be just part of who we are. I was thinking about this uh, today, actually. Some families, gift giving comes with strings attached. I hate that. Um, some fam- So I've for- experienced that. So yeah, so for some people then, if you're 
if your love language is giving gifts, but your spouse comes from a background where every gift came with a string attached, you giving them gifts, it reminds me of there's an old episode of a sitcom. Big Bang Theory? Big Bang Theory. That's Mm -hmm. it. There's this episode where the neighbor across the hall comes and gives Sheldon, this kind of nerdy, geeky physicist, a gift. Oh, boy. And his response is, you haven't given me a gift. You've given me an obligation. Oh, no. Because as we know, you know, gifts are no strings attached or else it's not a gift. It's an obligation. Exactly. So if you come from a background, if you have feelings like Sheldon does of now I'm required to do something for you. Now I've got to give you a gift. Now I have an obligation. Yet your spouse's love language is gift giving. They're trying to communicate, I love you. And you're receiving, now what do I have to do? And there can be many different ways of that. Another horrible experience could be if someone's experienced physical abuse, then physical touch. I have a friend whose spouse experienced physical abuse, and they had to work through a lot of that and some therapy because reaching out for a gentle, tender caress, his spouse would respond and pull away from that. And it was because that motion reminded them of, the abuse they experienced. And And nothing that the other spouse did wrong per se, but it it just, it it caused somewhat of a trigger for the other spouse to recoil. Absolutely. So sometimes you're going to experience colliding love languages just because of who you are and your background, and that's not going to change. But they're not always permanent. Sometimes you could have seasonal collisions of love languages. seasonal collisions of life there. That's very true. And I I think we had talked about this and that was probably us right after the kids were born because babies are so demanding, right? And so clingy and touchy. Yes. And my primary love language is physical touch. And mine is definitely not. (laughs) And and at the end of the day, I think with with an infant being very demanding um, for mom for physical touch, you know, by the end of the day, I'm all touched out. And and that was, I think, a hard thing because Brian's just like, I love you so much. And, you know, and again, it's it's something just kind of like reaching out and touching my arm. And I'm just like, for crying out loud, I have been drained. I've got nothing more to give. I'm just done. Well, and it, it was more than that, if I remember correctly. It wasn't just that you've been drained, but that touch of me just grasping your hand or stroking your shoulder was uncomfortable. Oh, very much so. And no offense to you, right? None taken. Yeah. It's a, It's just you had a baby clinging on you all day and you wanted to be put in a bubble. Oh, sure. And and I mean, that said, too, it's like pets stay away from me. It's like I, I don't want to be touched anymore. I'm just tapped out. Thank you very much. Tapped out. That's funny, actually. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Sometimes you're going to experience that. And when one or both of you don't feel you're receiving love, it can create a crisis or lead to a crisis in marriage. And we don't want that. Thank you very much. Yeah, it can create this unhealthy feedback loop. So again, in those situations where Jen didn't want to be touched, she also didn't want to touch me. She didn't want to hold my hand. She didn't, those, she was just, and it can create this loop of, oh, I'm reaching out to touch you, recoiling. Well, okay, I feel unloved because you're not receiving my love. Or I feel rejected. I feel rejected. And then that's going to that can lead a spouse to well now i'm not going to respond favorably to what the other spouse is doing and it creates this negative mm-hmm. feedback loop that perpetuates itself 
And and again, we, that's not something that we'd want to have happen because it, it's it's one of those things when these love languages again collide, the collision. Um, as that that person who asked it had put it, it it's a situation where one spouse does want to communicate that love in, in a way that's very very different uh, than the other one. But in us having to kind of deal with that and, and kind of flesh out how to best uh, handle that, it it seems to me that you you have to make sure that reality is matching up with how these love languages um, are being expressed and being uh, perceived. And Brian is always the one to drill home the idea of you always have to be presuming goodwill in your spouse. Because as that example was, is when I was tapped out, haha, from a baby clinging on me all day, you know, Brian could have felt really bad and rejected like our marriage was in crisis, which it was not. We were, of course, adjusting to to a new child in the, the home and just the demands of that. You know, he's going to just presume Jen is being honest with me that she's tired and she just does not want to be touched. She doesn't want to hold my hand. She's just really tapped out and she needs some time to just kind of be by herself and and not experience that demand of that physical touch all the time. So he was presuming that goodwill in me, not that I didn't like him anymore, not that I was rejecting him, not that I didn't love him because those things were not true. He, he was taking my word for it and he was giving me space and time. Well, you were presuming goodwill as well, though, mm-hmm. because I would without thinking. I mean, you walk by me, I'm probably going to reach out and touch you without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes, like, would you please stop touching me? <laughs> yeah. and it's, Don't do it while I'm chopping vegetables in the kitchen. This could be a disaster. <laughs> and I'm it's it's one of those, it's not anything sexual. It's not anything. It's just, that's how, it's an impulse for me. So in those Poor times, impulse control for husbands. I'm just kidding. In those times when I would reach out and touch you and you had been tapped out, I mean, sometimes you just let that go. You knew I wasn't trying to stress you out. You knew I wasn't trying to nag you. It wasn't like, oh, let's see what I can get away with. How You were presuming, it's okay, I get it. Brian's trying to communicate love. It's not communicating love to me. It doesn't sound like love to me, but he's not trying to make me angry by touching me when I've asked him, please stop touching me. No doubt. And and, and sometimes too, I would reach out and just kind of like grab your hand and let go because that was... It's like I'm doing the best I can under my circumstances. Another thing, though, is to remember love is more than a feeling. More than a feeling. So Jonathan and David, I think, in the Bible are great examples of this. And we use this example in in our book, Operation Thriving Marriage. 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, it says, When David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan and David became bound together in close friendship. Jonathan loved David as much as he did his own life. That's beautiful. So that's wonderful. And that's between two men. There's no romantic connotations there. There was a feeling of affection and, to use the Greek word, phileo love, brotherly love. There was Mm -hmm. real love there. It's not fake love. But we can see a David. I like using this example because it helps us remove the romance out of love in the sense to see all the other aspects of love. And one of the things is love is, yes, it's a feeling. We want you to feel love for each other. You should feel love for each other. That's a wonderful, amazing thing in marriage, but that's not all that love is. Love is also an attitude. Mm -hmm. And that has to do with thinking the best 
and wanting the best uh, for another person. And uh, this this is illustrated well in 1 Samuel 20, 42. Jonathan said to David, go in peace for the two of us have sworn together in the name of the Lord saying, the Lord will be between me and you, between my descendants and your descendants forever. That's an act of will. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a thought. It's not just my limbic system responding to a positive experience. It's I am choosing, I have this attitude Mm-hmm. of love. And I think that's really important for spouses. It's not just, oh, how loving or how loved do I feel right now? It's again, presuming goodwill. And I have an attitude. I want what's best for you every moment of every day. That's right. And if you're going to have an attitude towards your spouse, have that attitude be of love. <laughs> and the love is also action. You know, we've talked a lot about before and you hear it all the time. Your actions are speaking so loudly. I can't hear your words. Actions are an important aspect of love. The actions of love communicate the reality of love. What you do to help the other person, to make things better for the other person, oftentimes sacrificially, um, Jonathan, for instance, at risk to his own life and at risk of his father, the king's rage, saved David's life. Go back through 1 Samuel and read the story of Jonathan and David. Saul was trying to kill David, and Jonathan went in, and he was scolded and ridiculed by his dad for caring so much for Jonathan, and Jonathan made a point to. They had this elaborate plan to communicate, I'm going to find out, because, you know, it's my dad. I don't believe my dad would try to kill my best friend. And then he found out, no, yeah, dad really is trying to kill my best friend, and they came up with this way to communicate, and Jonathan saved David's life. There's not much better action than that to show love. That's the truth. And and it's important to understand that love is much more than what we feel. And it's important that we continue to express love even when we don't feel loved. And this helps us to mitigate feelings that we experience when we don't feel loved by by our spouse. And, you know, just kind of the funny thing is the more you have this attitude of love, and then do the actions of love, the more that you're going to feel love uh, towards your spouse. And of course, that's going to improve your situation immensely. And and that being said, uh, we don't know, uh, or we didn't answer the specific question yet. So, okay, what do we do when our love languages are radically different? Or what are we doing when these love languages are colliding? And, And we'll just go ahead and get to that right now. So the first thing is remember that Feelings of love aren't the only love. It's also attitude and action. And to begin that process, the obvious and most important first step is to tell your spouse how you like to be loved. Just be honest. Hey, these are the things. And when we first got married, the idea of love languages was pretty foreign. And we actually read the book, Five Love Languages, on our honeymoon. That was cool. And But for a long time, we would talk about it. And It was hard for you to communicate what your love language was using the language and the matrix of the book. Sure. So I would ask, well, what do you think your love language is? And you'd be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Over time, it really was kind of trial and error for us to figure things out and talk about, okay, this is what I like. And it wasn't so much, okay, my love language is this. My love language is that. It was more, I like it when you do this. I like it when you do that. And that was the conversation that we had. 
to help us learn how to communicate love to each other. Absolutely. And, and I, I, another thing is, I, I think it's important to be encouraging uh, of your spouse because when your spouse is is going to be loving you in, in ways you prefer, you don't just kind of talk ab- uh, about it, but you just point it out in, in the moment. I think that that's a cool thing to be able to you catch to them do. in the act. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, you, you know, acts of service, you did the dishes without having to be reminded, or I thought I was going to have to come home and clean up, you know, the dishes or whatever it was, but it was already done. And this is a hooray moment. <laughs> so, you know, that's a, a pretty cool kind of thing to, to be able to do that in the moment. So, so talking about it is a, is a great thing to do. And, and I, I think uh, so, some of the other things that we can do to, to jump in on that is just give it a try. Absolutely. Just try it can be hard to communicate love in a way that's unnatural to you. And it can feel awkward, too. It, it, very, very weird. So do your best. Mm-hmm. Just try it. One of the things my dad would always say to me and my sister when we were growing up, and we would be afraid to try things because we would be afraid of failing. Mm-hmm. And what he would say was, nothing beats a failure like a try. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole idea from the sports analogy, analogy, you miss all the shots you never take. Sure. You know, you're never going to get it right if you don't try, don't take a risk. And that also means, though, you need to acknowledge when your spouse is trying to communicate in your love language, even if they're doing a bad job, because you need to encourage that trying. Because what's going to keep us from trying to love our spouse the way they want us to is fear of failure. Feel that, okay, we feel rejected by the way we naturally communicate love. I'm afraid to communicate love in any way because I'm afraid of getting rejected. So we need to encourage and be honest. Like, hey, you know, physical touch, I'd really like more than just for you to poke me in the arm when you walk by. I mean, but thank you for making the effort. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and there's a there's a Taylor Swift song, and believe me, I I know many of them because I think Bri- I, I think Brian and I have a, a child who might be the biggest uh, Taylor Swift fan on the planet. But it's the her song lyrics of "This is me trying, at least I'm trying," and just have that perspective about your spouse, where it's it's kind of like A for effort, even if it's falling on, uh, even if they end up falling on their face. A for effort for for taking these kinds of steps and then talk about it. How are you best serving your spouse? How are they best serving you in in communicating whatever your love languages uh, are there? At, at least they're trying. And you'll be amazed how much intimacy you build when you have those conversations and just some of the laughter and funniness of one of the things that we laugh about is Jen loads the dishwasher incorrectly every time she loads it. I play a game. My name is Jen, <laughs> so we call it Jenga. And so one of the things... Jenga, Jenga. One of Jen's love languages is acts of service. And so when I'm loading the dishwasher, I'm trying to express love. Well, for Jen, the most natural and normal response is to come and help. She's communicating love to me by serving me, doing the same thing together. We found that while we both love each other, and that is communicating love, it's better for us to serve each other in different ways than trying to do that at the same time because we've got different ideas on how, and we get in each other's way. We just bump into each other. And no, I was going to put this here. I was going to put that there. And for us, we can laugh about it. You're Jenga-ing wrong. Exactly. And so we can do this now. And 
try and experience that because we do laugh and joke about it now. And it has built intimacy in our marriage because we're trying to love each other. So we talk, we try, and we also translate. You know, my Baptist roots are showing. It's a three-point alliterated sermon here. I hope we have a poem or a song. Sorry, we don't have those for you, Sorry. actually. But uh, anyway, at least we you, got you the, did. Wait a minute. At least you we got these three. And you mentioned a song. You mentioned Taylor Swift. We got our song in there, too. So there we go. <laughs> anyway, we've lost half the audience again. So superfluous. But anyway. So one of the things we need to do is be able to translate what our spouse is saying to us in their language. On our honeymoon, we went on a cruise and one of the stops was Puerto Rico. Jen in college studied Spanish and she got quite good at it. Matter of fact, one of her classes was going into Mexican town in Detroit, a largely Mexican community, and she had to speak Spanish with these boys and girls while trying to teach them English. So she'd gotten quite good with Spanish and I don't speak Spanish at all, not even un, un poquito, and I probably screwed that up too. Yeah, you did good, babe. So we're in Puerto Rico, and what I do know is signs with black and yellow hash marks all the way around them are something you should know. And I understand the word cuidado means something I should Caution. know what's going on. So I see this sign, and we're looking at the sign. It's got the black and yellow hash marks, and it says cuidado. And I say, hey, sweetheart, can, can you come read the sign? And she's reading it, and there's long pauses, and she's reading. She's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, what? What? She's like, beware of the weasels. They have rabies. Right. (laughs) So So definitely beware of these weasels in the rainforest. The rainforest of Puerto Rico, there's weasels there. They were brought in. They're an invasive species, and they have rabies. But that information was useless to me until Jen translated it. Truth. And then I knew I'm staying away from long rats. Okay, the weasels, stay away from them. The same is true for love languages. There are times when we just have to translate. So if you've studied a foreign language in high school or college, you remember this process of reading something in the original language, and then in your head, you translated and converted that to English so you could understand that. I did that with German when I was in college and Jen with Spanish We have to do that too. So sometimes when I reach out to grab Jen's hand, she does not automatically hear, I love you. She has to think about what just happened and then translate that in her brain into her mother tongue Mm -hmm. and say, oh, this means I love you. When your love languages collide, one of the things you need to do is learn that that is your spouse's love language. And when they say, I love you, translate that in your head into your language. So you're hearing, I love you by what they're doing. And it is essential to to communicate love in a marriage, but sometimes we communicate love in ways that are very, very different from our spouse. And when that's not handled well, it can lead both Uh, spouses into a very unhealthy cycle of not feeling love, but possibly feeling rejected and and all kinds of unhealthy uh, things for a marriage. So it's important to remember to love our spouses even when we don't feel loved because love is just so much more than a feeling. It's also an attitude and it's also an action. Have that 
attitude towards your spouse being that of love, not other kinds of attitude. And to improve the communication of love in your marriage, talk about how you like to give and receive love. Try to love your spouse the way they want to be loved. And when your spouse isn't communicating in your love language, translate what they're saying and see how they can also communicate a little bit better to you in your love language. Thank you again so much for listening to the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Jen and I started Operation Thriving Marriage to help couples and churches take marriages from merely surviving to thriving. We've got our book, we've got a blog and resources for our coaching ministry, and you can bring us out for an Operation Thriving Marriage experience. For more information, go to OperationThrivingMarriage.com. That's OperationThrivingMarriage.com.